0: This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports, because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. We're going to be finishing up our position previews on the offensive side of the ball and then we'll preview Georgia State's season opener with Army on Saturday. So, gentlemen, let's go ahead and jump right on in. This past week, we published three position previews on ThursdayNight.com. If you haven't had a chance to read those, go uh, check those out. Lots of good work by Brady and David on those. Those are wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks. So, gentlemen... Thoughts.
1: I, I feel a little bit broken recordy that we keep talking about the capability for offensive position groups to be the best in the Sun Belt because you know it seems a little bit. Of course, if someone covering Georgia State, you know that's what you'd want to say, but it's also easy to forget that this has been a record-breaking offense for two straight seasons already, and a lot of the players are back from 2020 when they put up 33 points a game, and so. All this to say, the wide receiver group for Georgia State is another group that by the end of the year would not surprise if they're putting up some of the better numbers in the conference. We already know all about Cornelius McCoy and Sam Pinckney, who really have shown all conference multiple years now. But it's also an interesting group because there's a lot of guys that are going to get some of the snaps at the third spot or just work in and relieve those two. And there's a lot of options. It's both guys that have come in and Redshirted and a you know transfer, Jakayes Cradle, and so just the bottom line is, it's been a group that's been good most of Georgia State's history, even when the teams haven't been good, and that's still true. It's a really good group of wide receivers.
2: Yes, it is, um, and that's I you know we could sit here and talk about Sam Pinkney and uh, Cornelius McCoy. I kind of don't really want to because I feel like you know we already know you know, who those guys are, but the third wide receiver spot this year to me is going to be very important. Last year, that was kind of where Georgia State didn't really have that, you know, that I guess security blankets. Um, you know, you had obviously Sam Pinckney had, you know, the phenomenal year that he had and McCoy, but then there was kind of a rotating group of characters For that third spot, you know, it was led by Terrence Dixon, who, you know, will probably be, at least in the early stages of the year, he's going to get the most run there as that third option. But I think that same level of, uh, you know, dynamism was just not there with him as it was with McCoy and, you know, with Pinckney. So if defenses were able to scheme, you know, kind of those two guys, it didn't really leave Quad with a big, you know, a big security blanket for him to throw to. And like, yes, you know, we talked about the tight ends, obviously Roger Carter and Aubrey Painter back. Yes, you know, he's got the running backs who we'll also discuss, you know. But there are certain downs and distances where you're going to need another option as a wide receiver. You know, it's not necessarily going to have to be you know, oh, you need a go route or, oh, you need, you know, you don't necessarily need a check down, but you also need a dependable wide receiver. And I not know that I am pessimistic about the group because it's probably a little harsh, but the, the one thing that I will be watching is, is Cradle going to be that guy that steps up this year? You know, is Dixon going to be the guy and is he going to take a step forward? You know, you mentioned a couple of other guys who have redshirted, or, you know, is anybody going to step up? Because like last year we saw it with, you know, Kadarius Thompson and, you know, Jamari thrash They you know, they didn't have great seasons overall, but I'm sure we could point out a couple of plays in various games where each of them, you know, caught a key pass on third down or caught a key pass at a time where the other guys were covered, or I know McCoy missed three games last year. And so, you know, that also impacts your depth. So that's, that, to me, is the interesting conversation with the with the wide receivers, you know. Health permitting, we know what Pinckney and McCoy are going to do. It's how this group can elevate themselves outside of those two. That's, you know, that's the important part.
1: Yeah, and on that note, uh, I had the chance to listen to Brad Glenn on Georgia State's Panther Insider podcast this week. Uh, Dave Cohen, voice of the Panthers, interviewed both coordinators. It's good listen, uh, if we can plug other podcasts. I don't know if we're supposed to do that because... It's, you're supposed to only listen to us, but it was a good listen. And uh, Brad Glenn actually had some interesting notes about the wide receiver group. Uh, the words he used with Jamari Thrash is that he was having a great camp and that he was becoming more of a, quote, down-to-down receiver, which is sort of exactly what you were looking for, is an, a, another guy who can be playing every snap, and it's a guy that you can maybe count on to be open on a third down when you need it. Uh, he also said that Cradle, Jekai's Cradle, the... UCF transfer, and Robert Lewis had great camps. And he said, uh, Talik Williams had a good scrimmage when they had played this past Saturday. And so I think that the coaching staff probably is also looking for just another third or f- and or fourth guy to get in that room to uh, give another option. And so it seems like they think that there's a chance that any of those guys can maybe be the guy who pops and adds another dimension. And if you've got a three-headed monster with the two heads that we already know, With McCoy and Pinckney, I mean, that's going to be a tough unit to stop. And that's without talking about the running game, and that's without talking about the two tight ends, who we also think are pretty good. And so it's a situation where if there are health issues in the unit with the starters, you know, someone's going to have big shoes to fill. And so there's going to be questions there if that were to come up. But like David said, if Pinckney and McCoy are healthy, we know that they are able to offer all conference level production. And we know that quad had gotten a real rapport with them, especially this season went on. And so nothing more we can say about that. That's the expectations. Those guys are going to be big contributors.
2: I think I saw McCoy. Uh, he's in the media thing. Did he say that he wanted to have a uh, 10, 1100 a hundred year,
1: something like that? I think it was 1200. Yeah. He had, he had gotcha. big goals. It, the the other thing is that you yeah, know they were he was asked about personal goals but they also talked about how it's a selfless room and that they all you know they want to work together everyone's got to run their routes and sometimes you're not going to get the ball thrown your way but it still matters you go and run your route every time because as best as you can because you never know when it's going to be you and so yeah it I I wonder I think we can see that. I think that especially if we see the Cornelius McCoy, who was finishing the year, like in the bowl game, had a really good game. Uh, He was finally healthy again and should be healthy this year and hope he can stay healthy for a whole season because, yeah, I mean, I think that it's possible that you could look at what Sam did and it was mighty impressive and almost underrate Cornelius McCoy, but he's been the reliable guy since his freshman year here. And so it's easy to forget that he's just as solid as they come usually finds his way open on an important down can burn it downfield uh and so yeah definitely not gonna under i'm not gonna bet against him having a huge year 1200 is a big number but i'm certainly not gonna bet against it if he's putting his mind to it if he's staying healthy
0: All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the other side of the equation for the rest of the offense here with the running backs and quarterbacks. Kind of blends together with uh, some of what Quad Brown had been doing with his running game.
1: What he had been doing, and I think where overall he could maybe stand to do the most more. And yeah, I, I like grouping the running backs, quarterbacks together. Haven't done it for some other groups, but it just kind of all melds as just collective for this offense with what the running backs are going to do and what Quad's able to offer in the running game, because, you know, I think it's just kind of a given that we've talked about a lot. We think the potential is there for quad. Uh, the biggest thing he's got to work on on the passing side is just cutting down on some of the turnovers. And that's going to be an important step for him to take. But I think I, if I can be honest, Georgia state ran for just under 200 yards game rushing last year. And it really didn't feel like a great cohesive constant threat unit like it was in twenty nineteen. And I think to some degree that has something to do with not having nearly as effectively dynamic a runner as Dan Ellington was in twenty nineteen with Quad last year. And I say effectively dynamic because Quad definitely showed moments where he could really take over on the running game. He had the big touchdown run with the dive in the end zone against Arkansas State. Uh he ended up with three hundred yards on the ground he ended up co-leading the team in rushing touchdowns so he obviously was able to have an impact i just wonder if there's that little bit more that he can give in that and even if it's just making the right reads even if it's just following the right block you know i think that there's a chance that he can give just a little bit more in the rushing game and that could open up so much more in the overall rushing game to help out these running backs
2: yeah, I mean, that would certainly help the offense. Um, you know, I the running is weird because it, I think it was last year. Who was it? Bill O'Connelly or somebody? Somebody put out a, an article and they talked about Georgia State and it mentioned that Georgia State's running, you know, was kind of a. It was it was on the da- not on the downturn, but it was, it was a disappointment. That's the word. And I looked at it and I was like, man, I, mean, I watch all the games and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like it. But then you kind of dig into the numbers and you 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 look at it and you say, OK, you know, this was a group that was rushing, you know, about 240 yards per game in 2019. Obviously, that was a record setting year. And then you looked at it last year and in less games, but, in you know, a comparable amount of touches, you know, they weren't as effective. And i I couldn't tell if that was just because they... The team as a whole was worse at getting those, you know, those bigger runs, which, you know, Dan was noted for getting a lot of those chunk plays, or it was just a, you know, a a team by committee thing where they just had a whole bunch of guys rotate in and out. And, you know, I never really found an answer to that question, but it'll be really important for them to kind of get back to that level that they were at because it just... You know, it, it keeps them on the field longer. It keeps the possession in their half. And, you know, that that's that's all you want to see when you are an offense that's moving. And it helps your put take a lot of pressure off of your young quarterback.
1: Yeah, I I also don't really know what the answer is. I, I just think the answer, it's, it was a team that ran the ball a lot and were able to have success at times running it. And so I think it's something where Georgia State's, set a certain level where they're not going to be just as bad of a rushing team as they had been in a lot of years past or anywhere near the range of like under a hundred yards rushing average anymore. Like that's just not the identity of this team, but past that it was maybe just that they weren't able to get the next level of production. And I think that that's still there. I think it's a good complementary group of running backs. Uh, All four that were listed on the depth chart, I feel like are going to play on Saturday against Army, and it's going to be kind of a mix-and-match type deal because Destin's kind of good between the tackles, showing some prowess in the receiving game. Tucker, big body, runs hard. Marcus Carroll's another guy in that kind of mold. He's played less than the other two, and uh, I'm interested to see if he can get more snaps this year, if he can be the hot hand at times. And then Jemias Williams, I, I think we have talked about, I just think we like his speed. There were times last year where he was the guy who was finding the hole and hitting that burst and getting those 20 yard games. when maybe the, the rushing game was a little bit stagnant. And the other bottom line is just ball control's gotta be there. There were too many times where especially Destin Coates was struggling with fumbling the ball um, at inopportune times. And even just starting with this game that we're going to talk about the army, More than two turnovers this Saturday is going to be a problem for Georgia State to overcome just for how few possessions there's going to be. And it's just something where a team that prides itself on running the ball, like Georgia State prides itself on running the ball, has got to have sure hands and not be putting it on the turf so much.
2: Yeah, that's, you know, that's the one... The one bugaboo we can really focus on last year, um, you know, Georgia state is a team lost 10 fumbles and, you know, uh, we don't have to sit here and say whether it was the offense or, you know, like who on the offense, it was, I know Destin definitely had a couple problems with that, especially in the Troy game. Uh, but you, you just got to take care of the ball. That's the easiest thing for you to control. Um, and you know, that's. The, obviously guys work on that in practice, you know, that's the first thing that coaches always want to talk about is, you know, ball control and ball security. And, you know, it's just definitely something that needs to be cleaned up next year.
1: But if it is, I mean, there were times by the end of last year where the offense was just rolling, rolling, rolling. And the only thing that was stopping them was an interception that ended to drive or a fumble that ended to drive or, you know, even extending to like a penalty that, pushed a drive back when it was progressing the right direction. And so it's really, we've talked about now the entire offense and we can say we've had lofty expectations for most of the position groups to hit a certain top level of the conference, but that's sort of how they've been the last few years. Since Brad Glenn has been at Georgia state, these offenses have been one of the best in the conference, both years. And you know, that's the standard now is just being a good offense and yeah, I mean I'm looking forward to see the just the progression over the season. I'm interested to see how the running back's carries situation shakes out. And obviously interested to see what year 2 under with Quad looks like uh because we've seen a huge bump for every quarterback who's played at Georgia State the second year and you know this guy's a sophomore. And so this is maybe a different equation because you could argue that the jump between being a junior to senior maybe that is going to be a better player than a guy making a leap from freshman to sophomore. But we think a lot of quad. And so maybe not, maybe it's a situation where he can really be pushing for being one of the best in the conference. And you know, if so, watch out.
0: All right, so now let's talk a little bit about the Army game. Game one, but before we get there, we did find out that the 2021 captains have been announced after being voted on by the team. There are six this season, and they are wide receiver Sam Pinckney, guard Shamarius Gilmore, defensive lineman Dante Wilson and Hardrick Willis, center Malik Sumter and quarterback Quad Brown. So, Game 1, Army Saturday at noon in Center Park Stadium, live on ESPNU. The Black Knights, of course, led by Jeff Monken in his eighth season at West Point, arriving in 2014 after four years as the head coach for that school down south. He has a 49-39 and 39 record with Army. Army went 9-3 in the 2020 season, losing to West Virginia in the Liberty Bowl. Georgia State leads the all-time series 1-0, winning 28-21 in what was then known as Georgia State Stadium in October of 2019. The Panthers will make the return trip to Mikey Stadium on October 1st, 2022. Stories to watch in this game, the triple option. They love it. They run it all day, every day. But Army will have a plethora of new starters on the offensive line, so that's something to watch for on Saturday. And there's also a familiarity among the defensive staffs of this game. As Georgia State's defensive coordinator, Nate Fuquay, played and coached under Army's defensive coordinator, Nate Woody, at Wofford, and then replaced him as Wofford's defensive coordinator, when he left to take the same position at App State. Gentlemen, the Army Black Knights, what's on your mind?
1: I mean, we haven't necessarily made enough fanfare about it being game week. It's game week. We're here. The long season is over. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about an actual opponent. We, We did those previews, you know, month by month, just to kind of get a primer for how we're feeling about the season and generically looking at the teams, but... You know, for that, for me personally, we talked about September and, you know, I did base level, made sure I knew just the basic what was up with the 2021 Army. But I didn't really do the dive that I w- you know, did for this because it was just kind of gut impressions. And so I was happy to be diving back into team notes and looking at CFBStats.com and reading all about. And um, the first impression I have is that. This isn't the same defense that Georgia State played when Army was here in twenty nineteen. You know, Nate Woody wasn't the defensive coordinator then. And last year, with all that COVID entailed, with limited spring, limited practice, whatever, Army was one of the better defenses in the country, uh, in his first year as defensive coordinator. They were number one in total defense, yardage. And uh the team time of possession, because they're a triple option team, it worked out to where opponents had about twenty five minutes possession on average and that helped them control the clock win games because they went nine and three and so it's a triple option team with a defense that's going to make you work and so that's a combination that says it's gonna be a, a tough afternoon it's gonna be a grind to get a win for georgia state
2: yeah such is the life of playing you know a triple option team um he can't really take anything away from that 2019 game, although it was really fun, you know, shutting Army out and getting that game-ending interception in the end zone uh, to seal it. But this is going to be an interesting test for Georgia State only because running the ball has always been the bugaboo of the defense. Um and 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 i I say that because you know while they've been good against the run in a lot of games and teams have been forced to pass, you always question whether or not they can defend the run against the team that primarily runs the ball, for example, you know they play Georgia Southern every year, and that obviously is the only other triple option team in the country, you know, but how they're able to stop the possessions that the opposing team actually scores on is gonna be very important. You know, like you said, Army's gonna give you what, six, seven offensive possessions. If Army scores on all of theirs, you have to match that. You know, you can't it's not gonna be like Georgia State likes to run a lot of plays. You know, I think Coach Elliott talks about, you know, and Coach Glenn talk about, you know, they want to run what, it's like sixty, seventy offensive plays, something like that. Eighty. Upward. Uh, right. As many as possible. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's not going to be the case with this Army game. You know, you're going to have to be incredibly efficient with the, what, 40, 50 plays that you get to run, you know, and so not every single pass needs to turn into a touchdown, not every single run needs to turn into a touchdown, but you better be dang sure that you're getting into those manageable yards and distances. Uh, down in distances, you know, as the game goes on, because if you scored two quick touchdowns early in the first quarter, that might be your only opportunity to score in the game, and you better hope your defense is on it, so.
1: Yeah, uh, just running some numbers on that, last year, Army opponents averaged 55 plays a game, and so, you know, that's less than Georgia State averaged without looking it up by a good bit because Georgia state likes running fast. And so there's a balance to be struck because I think that there might be an inkling to start running some tempo because I know Georgia state really likes getting tempo rolling and the offense can sometimes really find a rhythm when they're running tempo, but you don't want to overdo that because if you're going tempo on a possession and you go three and out, you know, that's a minute off the clock that you've taken. You're not giving your defense much rest and they're having to go back out there. Um, I'm, you know, bullish on you know, Georgia State's run defense this past year was great. Uh and a lot of the same guys are back and like Jordan highlighted in the stories to watch, it's it's a it's not an inexperienced Army offensive line because a lot of the guys that are gonna be the starters were in the depth chart. I think something like five of the guys who hadn't been starters had still started a game, at least one for Army on the offensive line. And so it's not an inexperienced group. But it's not a group that's played together like the Georgia State offensive lines played together. And so the chemistry, it might be early days, and you might be able to impose a little bit on them and return the favor with some of the smash mouth. And you know that's what they're going to want to do. The Georgia State front seven played tough this past year. A lot of the guys back. I, I think that that is, that is always the matchup to watch when you're talking about a, a option team. It's just the trenches. But... I'm looking at it more from, can Georgia State's front seven be the dynamic unit between the two? It's not so much about Army for me. I you know, I think that they're going to be able to get some yards. I, I think at the end of the day, if they're not north of 200-something yards, just for the sheer fact that they're running it so much, I'd be a little surprised. But can Georgia State's front be the one that wins more battles than it loses? Because if so... Army might stay on the field less than they want to. Georgia State might be able to get their offense back out there, and that's where you can steal some points.
2: Yeah, and, you know, you can also steal some possessions. Uh, I think, you know, we talked about Georgia State's lack of success in terms of the turnover battle last year, or in turnovers last year. They were actually good in the turnover battle, but, you know, they themselves committed a lot of turnovers. Army wasn't, you know necessarily the best at turnovers last year either. You know, they fumbled 8 times, they threw 6 interceptions, which is a weird number to say out loud for a triple option team. But you know, it also makes sense if you force them to have to throw the ball, you know, that's one thing that you can take away from that 2019 game. I mean, you saw what happened. You know, we've seen it time and time again with when Georgia State plays Georgia Southern, you know, you force a team whose bread and butter is running the ball to the to the tune of like 50, 60 run plays a game. And, you know, you force them into have to throw the ball and, you know, they are prone to make mistakes. And that's a place where Georgia State can take advantage right there. You know, Georgia State wasn't necessarily the best at you know, committing turnovers last year. They committed far too many. But, you know, if if you were looking for one area where Army wasn't, you know, the best at last year, it's also that. If, you know, if Georgia State's defense is forcing turnovers and increasing the amount of offensive possessions, that's going to help and go a long way.
1: And, you know, a mini storyline that I'm not really sure how much it matters is that Army's kind of got two quarterbacks lifted on their depth chart. Uh, You know, it's the guy who started at least the game that I watched last year for them, uh, Tahir Tyler, and then Christian Anderson's the other one. The reason why I'm questioning whether it's really a storyline is that I think that whoever's going to be picked to get the snaps is going to be the guy who's better suited to run the offense. And it's kind of one of those things where obviously top end, you can see talent flash. You know, if a guy is going to be an all timer in a system, a super athlete, you can see it, but with the triple option, it's kind of, it's a a system where the players fit in and run it to the best of their ability. Like it's going to be down to the quarterback who's, in making the right reads, making the right pitch, pulling it when they need to, and I I assume both of them are fast, athletic guys, and it's just about who's going to be better, you know, between the helmet, and so for me, it's a question mark, Georgia State doesn't really know, but, you know, I think we spent a lot of time, which ended up being very fruitless, talking about who was going to be quarterback in that Coastal game, because there was a question about Grayson McCullough's health, and obviously it didn't he was healthy and played great and uh, we don't have to talk about it again, but I don't think there's a situation where you're just like, well, if it's this guy, it's going to be this. If it's this guy, it's gonna, like, it's going to be the same system. Whoever is the guy who's getting the snaps. And so it's a note to mention, because usually at this point, a team not having a quarterback would be like a glaring red flag, but I, I don't personally know how much of an impact it'll be. I think, the guy who's going to play is going to be the best quarterback that army wants to put out there. And it'll be the guy who's best able to run what is at times a, a system that entirely hinges on the quarterback making smart plays. Yeah. And I turning it around what you were talking about with forcing turnovers. I mean, we talked about it with the running back preview, we have talked about it with quad and his interceptions, like Georgia state's going to have to play a clean game and that's penalties. That's turnovers. And remarkably, it was remarkable how much that happened. I mean, the 2019 game flew by. I wasn't personally there. I remember I was only able to catch the end of it live, but it was because there were so few possessions and there weren't a lot of turnovers. uh, It was, I don't know the time off the top of my head, but it had to have been one of the shorter games Georgia State's ever played. And I imagine this game could resemble that. Uh, we've had some off air talk. I know that David is maybe a little bit more bullish on this game hitting the over, uh, but I believe the, the, so the 2019 game finished 28, 21 Georgia state. And I believe the over under on the game for this season is currently somewhere in the region of 49.50, which would be about the same score. And, you know, I got to say it wouldn't surprise me at all. If like the exact same game plays out, basically maybe the, the, People are different and how it happens is different, but if this ends up being a game where both teams are in the twenties late and it's about who finishes, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And so maybe I'm more believing Vegas has this one about pegged right than David.
2: I I'll hit on that in a second. Georgia State had the ball for twenty-one minutes and fifty-two seconds in that game in 2019. That's nuts! And granted, I, like, I know Army made a push at the end there to tie the game, but oh my goodness, they scored four <laughs> times in 21 minutes.
1: Yeah, no, that that last drive they had was like the final 10 minutes of the game, <laughs> minus the knees out. Like, I remember they were on the the March Forever. It was like a 20-play drive. Oh my um, god! And they just kept going, milking the clock down. I was definitely a little bit perplexed at the time management there at the end. I remember live watching that end and just being like, Army's letting this clock down a lot for a team that isn't mm-hmm. going to want to put their back up against the wall, having to pass late, and, you know, that's what ended up happening, and they had to force a throw, Quavian was there, ended the game, but, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's part of it, that's why, why it was so short, was that you know, the triple option team who's going to run it every down had it for basically 40 minutes.
2: Please, I hope there's no repeat of that, you know. And I mean, like, Georgia State ran the ball really well, you know. It's, I'm sure that they, you know, when they had, they weren't exactly speeding through the game, but oh my goodness, you know. You're definitely going to want to get closer to 25, 26 minutes uh, in this game. As, as this a minute, as a floor. Right. That's the range that you kind of want to be if you're playing a triple option team. Um
1: You're certainly not going to hit the over if you're only going to have the ball for 20 minutes, unless you're scoring on, you know, one play 75 yards multiple times, the math doesn't add up there.
2: It definitely does it Uh, to, to the over point. uh, I kind of feel like this is going to be a higher scoring game than the 2019 game. I just have a feeling. Um, I know that army, like, you know, they're pretty methodical. I, I I think because it's the first game, I I don't know. I, I have this, weird first game bias where even good teams tend to not play as well just for whatever reason i mean you saw it kind of with louisiana in the first three quarters last year against georgia state um and and like we talked about when we did that when we talked about that game a little bit and this year like georgia state was the better team for you know what's 15 45 of those minutes um but at the same time though i think that while Georgia State still can win, you know, with that home comfortability thing, this will probably be a, a higher scoring game since it's the first game. It's, the, you know, a more regular sort of atmosphere. Fans are back in a fuller capacity, you know, but but also Army is good. You know, like they were really good last year. Georgia State was really good. And, you know, these are two good offenses, and offenses usually carry over much more than defenses do from camp. So,
1: yeah, I' I'm interested to see. I I lay a good odds that Georgia State's defense can, because the thing is, is Georgia State did on the balance a good job in twenty nineteen against this triple option, and they usually do a good job against the type of offenses in my uh, experience. But it wasn't a particularly deep, and it wasn't nearly as talented of a defense as as this one. And there were some injuries they dealt with, and I think they had to do some mixing and matching because. They were playing a triple option team. I think they played some guys in some different positions than usual, or, or gave some other guys more snaps because it was triple option and they wanted to get a different look. And this is the defense. You know, we're not seeing that with this depth chart. It's guys that you know are in the spots, and they're gonna. I I just am I think a little bit more high on the defense in regards to. I don't think that it's going to be a high scoring game because I don't think Georgia State's defense is going to let it. And yeah, it's a risky bet because the offense has paced the units between the offense and the defense for Georgia State. Even, even last couple of games when Georgia State's defense was playing well, still you know matched by the offense going out there and putting up a lot of points. So, I I think it will tell us a good bit about the Georgia State team because. It's one of two games where you're not going on the road to a power conference team and where there's all that that you have to deal with in the month of September this year. And So Georgia State's probably going to want to bank those two wins at home against Army and Charlotte for their overall goals and just to not take a losing record into conference play just because that's iffy mojo. You don't want to deal with that. Um, The last thing I wanted to mention, uh, and this is... Maybe just one of those weird football things that doesn't carry over. Uh, Army was prolific at blocking kicks last year. And so that's something we got to watch out for. It was extra points. It was field goals. I think it was punts too. And they changed some games they were in based on it. And so special teams, it's, yeah. hopefully we're not talking about special teams when we do next week's pod, because if we are, it's a good chance because Army was able to do something with that and impact the game in that way.
0: Now it's time for Sports Bits. A little bit of a look around the uh, Georgia State Athletics universe here. Uh, last week, men's soccer and women's soccer both went 1-1 one and one on the week's competition. Volleyball went 1-2 and two at the GSU Invitational on Decatur Street. Coming up this week, we have Women's Cross Country at the Kennesaw State Opener in Kennesaw on Friday, Volleyball playing Virginia Tech at the North Florida Invitational in Jacksonville, Florida, Women's Golf playing at the South Alabama USA Intercollegiate in Mobile, Alabama, Football versus Army, of course, on Saturday at noon at Center Park Stadium, Women's Soccer playing Mississippi Valley State in Atlanta, and then Men's Soccer on Tuesday playing UNC Asheville in Atlanta. That game will be on ESPN+. Plus. So uh, Brady, Taylor, and I will be in attendance Saturday for the Army game with our regular ThursdayNight.com coverage you know and love. Hope to see you there, and if not, we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises LLC on behalf of ThursdayNight.com unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at ThursdayNight or via email at thursdaynightgmail.com.